Hello everyone and welcome to episode 277 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, where you'll find writing courses and an awesome supportive writing community. And I'm here with my co-host, Alison Tate, author of the popular Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cipher book series. How are you, Al? I'm, well, you know what? I'm actually pretty excited. Okay. No. Take a deep breath. I'm okay. Oh my God. You're not fair to middling? I'm no, oh, I'm not okay. because yeah. I'm packed. I've, I'm, we're all packed up and we are on the road to, um, to Bluesfest any minute now. What do you stay in when you go to Bluesfest? Oh, well, we're staying in a beach house. I, I don't care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. I should just make that quite clear. I don't care. Okay. No, we're staying in a beach house. Um, some friends are coming to stay in our house and have a holiday in our house. It's like this massive, oh, like wow. everybody's just like shifting around. Um, and so we're, yeah, so we're, um, Procrasti Pup will be well managed. Looks we don't take yes. Procrasti Pup to Blues Fest, no. obviously. So he's going to be staying um, with our friends and um, the rest of us are just off we go. I'm scared of music festivals. Why? You sound like Mr. 12. He's also scared of music festivals. He's, <laughs> he's worried I'm going to lose him at Blues oh, Fest. No, I'm like, I'm dude, you're like, a, you're like a limpet. I'm not going to lose you. <laughs> no, no, not scared of that. So what um, are you scared of? The toilets. Oh, for God's sake, really? <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> if you're scared of toilets, it's going to stop you doing a lot of things that are actually quite fun. Okay, I'm probably really boring then. <laughs> oh, just like, okay. Yeah, you know what? It's probably not a highlight. I can't believe we're even having this conversation on our podcast. I'd just like to apologise to our listeners. Sorry. You've really Sorry, brought the tone down there. I'm Sorry. I'm thinking music and fabulousness yes. and community and you're going toilets. Yeah, I'll just listen to them on the CD. I mean, on okay. Spotify. <laughs> In your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, we want to give a big shout out to Miss Cackle, who kindly left us a review on iTunes and it's entitled Love Them and it's short and sweet and it says listening to Val and Al is an absolute highlight of my week. They know how much I love them. Ooh, awesome. You may not love us as much after the opening to this particular episode. The toilets, yeah, sorry. Thank you so much, Miss Cackle. Really, really appreciate it. And, of course, if you guys, if any other listeners have uh, 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it helps us in the rankings. Now let's move on. We've got some links that we want to share with you. Alison, you've got one, haven't you? One from Jane Friedman's blog. I do. Um, The wonderful Jane Friedman website, which is a terrific resource um, for writers of all types, kinds, denominations, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a post entitled Eight Mundane Elements You Should Cut From Your Story um, by Jordan Rosenfeld. And Mm. I just thought it was a really good um, thing to, to read, particularly if you're writing your first draft ever, um, because a lot of these things are mistakes that I made when I wrote my first ever manuscripts. Like when I look back at them now, right. I can see where the problems were with them, but you don't necessarily see it um, at the time. Um, one of the one of them is vagueness. And one of the issues I had with, with a manuscript that I wrote early on was that I had, I had uh, three women uh, of, a, of the same age. They had all been at school together. Um, and so they were essentially very much very, very similar. Yeah. And trying to differentiate between the three of them as far as their voices went and, and all of that kind of stuff, 
um, was quite difficult. So you kind of end up with this sort of weird vagueness about who everyone was and what they looked like. And um, so that was one thing. Um, and then the, the second point that Jordan makes is excruciating detail. Um, this is another issue. Um, so you, you're going to swing when you're writing your first manuscript. You do tend to swing from one to the other. You're oh, either going to put in yeah. so much detail, you know, and she wore a blue dress that was cut yeah. to the knee with a, you know, blah, 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 um, so that you've got this one paragraph describing one character and what they happened to be wearing that day um, is, is not great. But it's also something I see um, in what, so when I tutor, the online courses for the Australian Writers' Centre, often in the opening paragraph. So we do a section in the children and young adult, uh, writing for children and young adults course where, you know, it's like write your opening paragraph. Mm. And um, there's a, there'll be often the situation where people are trying to put so much detail, trying to, like they're trying to build the whole world in the opening paragraph. And what happens is the story gets lost so you're wading your way through adjectives and, you know, detail and um, trying to find out, you know, who the character is and what the story might be so that I can sort of jump on into it. So excruciating detail, it has its place. Uh, detail, very detailed writing has its place because what it works for pacing. So when you're pacing yeah. a book, if you want to slow things down, if you want sort of like if you've had a hugely um, amazing action scene, but then you want to slow things down, bring it back to the character, that kind of stuff. That's where you're going to go into lots of detail because detail slows things down for the reader. So mm. I think if you keep that in your mind all the time, it helps you to work out how much detail you need and how much you don't. But excruciating detail, like down to the dots on the stockings of the woman mm. who you're describing, probably not. You know, we don't really need to this get is, too too involved. This is also a particular pitfall for people who are writing nonfiction or narrative nonfiction because often you do a lot of research and mm -hmm. uh, there's a particular author who you and I both know who is ridiculously super successful now. But in some of his earlier books, because it, they were so research heavy because he, you know, enjoyed researching and it was interesting, of course, I remember just trying to wade through them and it was like wading through mud because there was too much excruciating detail because so the key is just because you've researched it doesn't mean you put it in. No, that's which right. Which is a big uh, weakness in some yeah. of some new writers. So yeah, excruciating detail is a big one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um so there's a couple of others here that he mentions. Dreary dialogue. Now this is something I talk to talk about when I when I do writing workshops for kids. I get into this because this is how important it is. So even when I'm down to like grade three level, um, it's it's about making sure that your characters are speaking their best lines all the time. And what I mean by that is that they're not weighed down by, you know, hi, how are you? I'm fine. You know, it doesn't need to be, you know, realistic in that sense. It needs to sound realistic in the voice, like the voice needs to ring true, it needs to be engaging, it needs to be, um, you know, valid to that particular character. But that doesn't mean you have to put everyday, you know, boring dialogue into your books because, again, all that's going to do is, like, slow things down and really, really bore your reader. Like, dialogue is fantastic for imparting information. It is fantastic for showing character um, we don't need actually, unless, unless of course, that exchange about the weather is, um, as Jordan says, you know, are they saying it under duress? Is there a threat of harm? Are they using the pleasantries as a code for something else? Are you showing the difference between the nice conversation and the body language? Then mm. it's working twice. But if it's really just to show two characters meeting on a street, don't go there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if you need any help with dialogue, check out our new course, which is absolutely awesome on uh, how to write dialogue. It's called Fiction Essentials Dialogue. You can find out more at writercenter.com.au slash dialogue. The other thing that I think is really important on this list is telegraphing. Mm. So um, the way that they've written it is another tension-killing habit is essentially to announce to the reader what the character is about to do before they do it unnecessarily, which is called telegraphing. So here's an example. He was going to leave this room and never look back. He stood up. I'm leaving and I'm never coming back, he shouted (laughs) as he stormed for the door. (laughs) Yes, it's obviously repetitive and unnecessary <laughs> because yes. you can just have one of those things. So Absolutely. make sure you don't do telegraphing as well. But you can check out the full list. We'll put the link in the show notes, which you can find at soyouwannabearwriter.com.au. The other link we wanted to mention to you uh, this week is Seven Things to Try When Writing is Hard, which is from a site called helpingwritersbecomeauthors.com. And there's, we won't go through all seven things, but there's a few that we thought is, that are worth mentioning. Um, I think the one that stuck out for me was identify the cause. Because sometimes writing, I mean, number one, sure, writing is hard and can be hard, but sometimes writing can just flow, right? Mm. But if you're finding it consistently hard, I think it's really important to identify the cause because it could be a whole range of things. It could be just because you're tired. It could be because you've actually written yourself into a corner and you don't know how to get out and you just think that you can't write, but really you need to perhaps just take a step back and rewrite your way into the story. It could be because you're stressed about something completely unrelated to writing and that's you know it could Mm. be because you think you're um uh suffering from i mean it could be because you're suffering from imposter syndrome and you're wondering oh my goodness goodness is this any good so it's important just to not think oh that's just writer's block and i'm stuck and i have to wait for it to magically disappear it's not going to be magically disappear if you're not going to do anything about it so try to be really honest with yourself and find out the cause. And one of the great ways to do that, I truly believe, is through morning pages. It doesn't Mm. have to be in the morning, mind you. But it's just stream of consciousness writing, aim to write at least three pages. I suggest longhand, you can do it on the computer if you want, um, where you're just writing whatever comes into your head. And often the thing that's bubbling, whether that's a stress caused by someone else or whether it's because you're you can't figure out what to do with your character. The thing that's bubbling somewhere underneath, somewhere inside you, starts coming out in your morning pages where where you know that you're writing these pages then no one else is going to read them apart from yourself. So you're really free to be able to write and no, no one's going to judge you on it. And I find that that's very useful when you are stuck in anything, not just in your writing but in just in life in general. Um, it's a big one for me. Hmm. Any Very others good. on this list do you think are good? Um, I think identifying the cause is good. I think also um, trusting the process yes. is probably a big one because, yes. you know, I, I feel like a lot of the time when writing gets hard, people stop showing up and if you stop showing mm. up, then it's never going to get better. But if mm. you continue to show up and continue to, like, I mean, I always talk about, you know, writing your way through things. Yeah, and push through. I think that that some of that is just about giving yourself permission to go. Well, you know, it's it's about 
Like some days when when it's like that, you're going to write a hundred words if you're lucky, but and they may never be used. But what you're trying, what you're doing is a, is um, working through the process of getting out of that plot problem or or that feeling that you have or whatever it is. And I think you have to you have to trust the process that if you keep moving forward you will un- you will find the key that's going to unlock this situation for you and you might never use the words that you've used to get to that point but you've you have to sometimes get them on the page just to kind of get that forward momentum going again um the other thing i often do if writing is getting hard on a project is to start writing something else and i don't mean by i don't mean shiny new um manuscript syndrome or whatever we call it um (laughs) I mean I mean we'd be working on a couple of things at once um Mm. which I think uh is always a good thing but not I I would never be doing two major manuscripts at the same time um but I would be doing sort of if I'm working on something I might edit something else or I might you know write a short story or I might write a freelance article or I might something entirely different um just to kind of keep that sort of muscle going and I often find once I'm doing that that it you know the solution to whatever issue I'm having with the other thing will will bubble its way up to the top as you say Mm. brilliant okay so we'll put the link in the show notes if you want to read the rest so our competition this week we have 10 double passes to the chaperone So The Chaperone takes place amid the backdrop of the tumultuous times of the 1920s. The life of a Kansas woman, who is Elizabeth McGovern from Downton Abbey, oh my God, I love Downton Abbey, um, is forever changed when she chaperones a beautiful and talented 15-year-old dancer named Louise Brooks to New York for the summer. One of them is eager to fulfil her destiny of dance and movie stardom. The other hopes to unearth the mysteries of her past. Based on Laura Moriarty's best-selling book and reuniting the writer, director and star of the Downton Abbey TV series. So mm. it's in cinemas the 25th of April. Just go to writercentercomau slash win to win one of 10 double passes to The Chaperone and entries close on the 22nd of April. That's writercentercomau slash win. And, of course, if you're listening to this podcast in the future, don't worry, there will be some other fantastic competition at that URL for you to enter. All right, Al, this is a cracker. Are you ready for the word of the week? (laughs) How can I say no after an introduction like that? (gasps) This is so cool. Fur, fur. If you are, if you are, it's one word, fur, fur. Have you heard of it? I have not heard of it. It sounds like something a toddler would call, you know. (laughs) Not exactly sure, to be honest. It is in the Macquarie Dictionary. It is a real word. And Mm. you might think it has something to do with fur, but it doesn't. You would be wrong. Is that what you're saying? You would be wrong. It's close, but not quite. It's actually another word for dandruff. Dandruff. Yes, dandruff. Jeez, I'll tell you what, this episode is really hitting some highs, isn't it? Like, really? <laughs> Toilets and dandruff. It's a real fur word. If you are, if you are. Oh, look, you've got some fur fur on you. Oh, no, Val, please don't. Please don't <laughs> ever do that, okay? I don't want you to ever come up to me and say you've got a little fur fur on you. <laughs> because it just sounds like it's just wrong. It's a hundred shades of wrong. Yeah, yeah. But now All you right. can say it to other people if you want. It's a real word. Okay, thanks for that. 
Yeah, you're welcome. Mm. All right, our writer in residence, let's move on to that. This is such a cool, cool um, thing for me because I have known Megan. So we're talking to Megan Blanford and way back when she was in a career in human resources originally and then she decided to do the freelance writing course at the Australian Writer Centre and she went on to become a prolific freelance writer and she's written for Sunday Life, Essential Baby, Kidspot, SBS, Body and Soul, so many places and during that time she um, moved into country Victoria to have a you know more bucolic lifestyle that's another good word. I think that was yeah, the previous word of the week. It was, yes, lovely. And um, she has since written a book called I'm Fine and Other Lies, Postnatal Depression, Motherhood and Actually Trying and, – and, and sorry, Postnatal Depression, Motherhood and Trying to Actually Be Fine. Mm. And um, she's done a fantastic job. So let's have a listen to Megan Blanford. Thanks for joining us today, Megan. Thanks, Valerie. Lovely to chat with you. All right. Your book is I'm Fine and Other Lies, Postnatal Depression, Motherhood and Actually and Trying to Actually Be Fine. Now, for those readers who haven't read your book yet, can you tell us what it's about? Okay. So it's about, um, well, it's my story of going through postnatal depression and coming out from that um so it goes through right from when my uh, first daughter was born through the the crazy early years of motherhood um having another child and then finding hope and getting through the challenges of all of that now i have to admit that when i'm reading a book written by someone i know it's quite a stressful experience for me <laughs> because, mm, yeah. you know, I have certain expectations or some, or, you know, you just, you just don't know. It's like a box of chocolates. You don't know mm. what you're going to get. And I have to say, I just love your book. I love your writing. I love the way you have told this, this incredibly personal story and you know, you haven't sugarcoated it, but it's also not, you know, mired in the depths of uh, self-pity or anything mm. like that. It's really, really a fantastic book. But first I want to know. Thank you. Yeah, so well done. First I want to know, why did you want to write this book? Because, you know, you you um, you previously had a career in a corporate job and then you started doing freelance writing. But writing a book is a very different mm -hmm. thing to freelance writing. Why did you want to write this book? Okay, so I generally have always wanted to write books since I was a little kid. You know, that was that was the dream, I guess, when I was, you know, reading to myself as a kid. Um, when I sat down to write a book, I certainly didn't sit down to write this book. Um, I sat down initially to write some fiction and it just wouldn't come out. There was this block there it's the only way I can describe it yeah. so all of this stuff that I'd gone through was just blocking anything um else in terms of long form creativity from coming out um so then I thought okay I'm going to have to face up to this topic um I'll write a fact book I'll write a kind of how-to guide of how to get through postnatal depression 
Um, and so that's what I started to do. Um, and quickly kind of realised that that wasn't going to fit the bill either and then I needed to get my story Why did you realise that that wasn't going to fit very, the bill? Let's just stop at, um, at that point. Yeah, actually I engaged a writing coach mm-hmm. because, like you say, writing um, articles in the freelance world mm-hmm. and writing a book are two very different things. Very different. So I sat there and I thought I'm not quite sure I know how to go about doing this mm-hmm. and I'm not sure I know how to stick with such a personal topic as well because whether it was going to be a fact book, a safe kind of fact yeah. book or my story, it was still, you know, a highly um, triggering topic yeah. for me to cover at the time. Sure. So, so I engaged a writing coach and when I sent her what I was playing around with, which was some facts and ideas about interviewing experts and things like this um, and a little bit of my story, Mm. she said, that's great, but write more of that, write more of your story. Mm. And I said, well, that's very scary. And she Mm. said, that's why it's going to be good. Do it. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I I can't take full credit for, for coming to that realisation that I needed to tell my story. Um, but I embraced that. Yes. So when you decided to everything, tell... Everything I had. Yeah, sorry to sorry to talk over you then. Um, when you decided to tell your story then, as you said, it's scary because for a whole range of reasons, one of which being it's very personal. How did you get over mm. that? <laughs> Well, writing it, I completely put out of my mind whether it would be published or not. And so I I created this really safe space for myself to just let everything out. And I wrote probably to more than double what's ended up in the book. I just, like, everything came out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was never, when I was writing it, I was never really thinking about anyone reading it. So I was able to really get honest with myself and tackle things in a really, um, yeah, in a really raw kind of way. Um, And it was later through the editing and everything that, you know, things get a bit more practical and Mm. you start talking about whether it should be something that you send to publishers or or whatnot. Um, But that rawness still stayed in there as well. Mm. And... Obviously, it, um, it, it the, the book goes through your experience with postnatal depression, among other things, um, but you could have picked a whole range of other topics to, to, to write about. Why did you pick this? Even as a fact book, you picked um, postnatal depression. So. Mm. It was something I'd tried to run away from for a lot of years, the fact that I went through this so I think it was time to face up to it mm. and to really explore what the impact it had had on my life um yeah it certainly wasn't an easy topic to choose <laughs> that's for sure um and like I say I I thought I'd be writing fiction or I thought I'd be doing something 
um, with this topic that might be a bit safer, but this is what came out and I'm really glad it did actually, as as terrifying as it is in some ways to put my personal story out there. Yes. I'm really glad that that's what it's ended up being. So we're going to circle back to the book in a sec, but I just want to give listeners an idea. Now, you said that from when you were little you wanted to write a book. So obviously there was some mm. kind of desire there. But can you just give us then just a bit of a potted history of your career so people can understand, you know, your path and how you got to where you are? Sure. Um yeah, so let's start with that. I had always wanted to write um, and I used to get in trouble from my mum because I would write in my books, in my very favourite books. I would open them up and write in them and you can imagine my mum's horror um, as a book lover herself. Um, but I was pretending that I was writing the books. So to me it was a great game. Um, so, um, But then, of course, you um, you grow up a bit and you come to this re- realisation that uh, a creative endeavour is not really a sensible career path and everyone around you is very vocal in um, in saying that. So I chose a much more sensible mainstream career path and ended up uh, working in human resources and I worked my way up into um, managing an HR department, um, created my own team, all of that. And it was after after I took maternity leave with my first baby and I tried going back to my job and I I tried to, to be the full-time working mother in the corporate world um, and it just wasn't right for me um, given the particular circumstances that were going on at the time. Um, and so I was at home and I thought, well, what am I going to do with myself now? I was never going to be a stay-at-home mum and this, childhood idea of writing just like hit me in the head (laughs) you know I this is the time to try doing this um and so I started blogging first of all and just to kind of start to see can I actually even write do people want to read it um do I have anything interesting to say um and that you know caught some attention and started the ball rolling and got a few um, jobs coming my way um, and then of course I did as you know the Australian Writer Centre freelance writing mm. course and got the confidence to start freelancing and then really made a career out of my writing. Yeah. So mm. you, you you freelance full-time I mean you are prolific freelancer you, mm. you write features you write <laughs> Uh, content you do corporate stuff um you earn your money Mm. as a writer but it's busy when you do that so tell us on a practical Mm. level when you decided I'm going to write this book now how did you fit it in (laughs) how did you structure it did you divide your days up you know what I mean like what happened or did it Mm. or was it only bit by bit over a really long period of time just give us a bit of an idea of how it actually happened no, I wrote it really quickly. Um, I wrote this book within a couple of months um, because when I started writing it, just all needed to come out. Yeah. Um, so I brought my freelancing. The first thing I did was I brought my freelancing back to four days a week right. um, so that I had a dedicated day to write my book. Um, and then that would flow. So I would do that on Fridays and that would inevitably flow into my weekend as well and it was really that my family 
was not used to seeing me without my head in the computer for a good couple of months there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And it would, to be perfectly honest, it would also creep into my work time a little bit Um, because once you start letting this stuff out, if something comes to you, you kind of have to go with it. So, I, you know, I did cheat a little bit and take a little bit of my work time as well. Um, and But also, you know, night times, I didn't sleep very much during the writing of this. I was up remembering things and mm. writing on the couch at 3 a.m. and things like that. So time just kind of um, opened up for me to do it in a not necessarily very healthy way. <laughs> yeah, so it sounds like it wasn't as if you were just doing four days a week with your freelance stuff and one day a week on this. It was mm. more like four days a week on your freelance stuff and the rest of the time on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. So <laughs> so obviously your Friday was like your dedicated day, which you kind of allocated to it. Uh, did you have any kind of weekly word count goal or any – did you plan out – here are my chapters and I'm going to write them in a linear fashion or did stuff just come out in bits and pieces and then you put it together? How did it actually come out? (laughs) I really, really want to tell you that it was all really (laughs) planned and structured. I really want to say that because I'm such a structured, organised person. But when I come to this stuff, I don't. I just wrote and then I dealt with the structure later. Right, was that hard because, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's not the, in some ways it's not the easiest way to go about things, but I think that with this topic it kind of needed to be this loose kind of way Mm. as it was just to let me really open up to, um, you know, there were experiences in that that time that I was writing about that I had just pushed down so far that I didn't even remember they were happening until I started writing wow. and I would go oh my gosh there was this other thing yeah. so it wasn't really stuff that I could plan out terribly well mm. in that sense mm. and mm. so when you say that you started writing kind of with the mindset that no one's going to read this in order for you to be you know a bit more liberated and free with what you put on paper after you got it all out then, did you read it back and go, oh, my God, I can't tell people that? Or or, <laughs> yeah. or did you and did you think, oh, no, this was a bad idea because there's so many things that I actually won't put out there? What was What happened? Yeah, absolutely. So there was some stuff that was immediately cut, um, A, because it's not relevant and B, because it's just too much to share. Um mm-hmm. And that's a lot. You've, you've read this. I've, I share a lot. Um, yeah. So from, <laughs> there's certainly some stuff that was even further than that. Um, and then I guess it was a case probably the next thing I did was I ran it through, ran it past my husband mm. and my mum mm. and sort of tried to gauge, you know, because they, they feature heavily in this. Yes. Um, and I really needed to gauge their, where their comfort levels were in me talking about them. Mm. So, and, of course, yeah. it is about motherhood and it is about postnatal depression. Have you at any point had a conversation with your children about mm. the book? Because it's there in yeah. it too, obviously. 
Yeah. Uh, they, that was a really interesting thing. Again, as I was writing it, I was really worried about certain things I might be saying about my children that mm. they might later read it and construe it as, you know, was it our fault that mum mm. had this or anything like that. Um, so when I was editing, I was really mindful of that as well. Um, they're 10 and 6 now, the kids. So they are really obviously aware of this book being out and what it's about and they're hearing me talk about it and they're not allowed to read it, of course, um, which they're terribly disgusted by. <laughs> um, but we've had, yeah, we've had some really frank conversations about what it is that I've gone through, you know, at an age-appropriate level. Yeah. 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 And so at, while, when you're writing, you're often reliving an experience. So... Were you at any point concerned that it would send you back into the depths of darkness? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there was definitely that concern. So I really tried to set things up. I was um, certainly going through counselling while I was writing it as well to have that support for myself. Oh, you did that on um, purpose while you were writing or you were already doing it? Yeah. I was doing it but I certainly set it up and I said to my counsellor, I'm doing this yeah. and I need this support through right. it. Um, That's smart. And, you know, the people around me as well, I, I made sure they were aware of what I was doing and had ways to, to let that out with mm. them as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it ended up being a really freeing experience it sounds really cliche to say that writing your story is really cathartic but it's a cliche for a reason it's just so good for you to get this stuff out mm, when it's been sitting absolutely. inside for so long mm. holding on to it yeah it's amazing to get it out so it was really freeing and it was really um you know I'd spent so like I say I'd spent so much time running away from my story that yeah. owning up to it was a really empowering experience. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't mean to hark back on this, but I'm interested in the structure and the, you know, how you, how the narrative thread kind of panned out because I want to understand whether you wrote it in a linear fashion or whether you, um, because it does have a strong narrative thread and it does have a, a journey and it does have an ending, so to speak. Um, mm. but because the risk is there isn't an ending and just just write all this stuff and it's not really a satisfying ending, you know what I mean? How did you know mm. you had that narrative thread or how did you know you had an actual story with the beginning, middle and end or, or, or when did you know it, you know what I mean? And when, and also when did you know it was going to end? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that took a little while. That took probably a little bit longer to come about and I, I re really did work heavily with this writing coach mm. that I was working with um, on the structure because, this, you know, structuring a book was, again, such a new thing to me. Yeah, it's really um, Yeah, it's really different to what I have done for years. Um, gosh, I'm not sure if I have many gems of wisdom <laughs> for you there. I just, I just, I just, um, I just, studied up on structure and just tried to create I guess I really had to 
dig into what's the ultimate message that I'm trying to deliver here and then form a structure around that. Mm. That's probably the biggest thing I did. I guess that yeah. another way to um, another you know way to perhaps shed light on it is that when you're writing about your life, I mean your life goes on, right? <laughs> and mm. so at the yeah. end, at the, if when you're choosing the ending for a book, you do have to choose a certain point in time. At what point mm. did you know that your chosen ending was your point in time, so that you knew, okay, I actually have a strong journey now, as opposed to ending it earlier or keeping on going and you know <laughs> it's a tricky thing because you don't want it to be this ending that's you know really cliched and mm. really like everything's happily ever after now I really I really was conscious of not trying to say well that's it I'm never going to suffer again um but I wanted to end on a hopeful note as well mm. Mm. so finding that balance was interesting so I think Again, it was really thinking about that message and I really wanted this message about um, the way we talk to ourselves and those kind of inner workings of um, of our minds and our inner voices mm. and wrapping that in with, with just that self-kindness. And once I knew that that's what I was trying to say here, then I knew exactly where to finish the story. Yeah, right. Now, mm. it's received quite a lot of um, great press and, and, and reaction from people. Have you um, had any personal comments from readers? So it's still early days, I know, but um, have you had a mm. response from, from, from readers? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people are responding... I guess in some ways, as I hoped they would, yeah. which which is to say, um, thank you. I don't I don't feel so alone mm. now. Mm. I you know it's it's so good to know that other people are going through this as well. Mm. Um, in another way, it's been surprising, and I think the different types of people who are reading this book has intrigued me a little. Why? What so it's mean? not just mum. It, yeah, it's not just mums who are reading this. Yeah. It's not. It's it's um, people who aren't parents. It's men, and again, who aren't parents and dads. Um, it's people who haven't been through an experience like this, but um, certainly mums who haven't had postnatal depression still relate to a lot of the feelings yeah. that come with that, and certainly all of the the challenges of motherhood. <laughs> um, so it's really, I think that's been really interesting that mm. there's different parts of it that all sorts of people relate to. And I think, again, you know, I was talking about the story about this, you know, being so hard on ourselves and our inner voices and the way we treat ourselves. And I think so many people can relate to that. Mm. You know, we're all, so many of us are so hard on ourselves and that's not, that's certainly not something that's exclusive to mums. Yes, and I think the title, yes. I'm Fine in Other Lies, is something everyone can relate to. <laughs> How did you come yeah. up with that title? Because it's perfect. Oh, the title was so hard. Mm, it's That really took um, between my publisher, my agent and I, we were we spent months backwards and forwards, mm. emails, what about this, what about this? Mm. And 
then my publisher ended up saying to me, all the titles we're coming up with are too serious. She said, the thing about your book is that it's got this humour to it that makes it so readable, uh, you know, and lightens the tone and, and all of this. Um, she said, I want the humour to come across in the title. And I thought, oh, gosh, how do I do that? How on earth, in a few words, can I, can I get this, you know, sarcastic kind of humour that I have across in a title? So I, I sat down and I just let my absolute crazy sarcasm run free, wrote down a list of about 12 things and sent it to them and this one stood out. Yeah, because I think it is so relatable. Everyone, yeah. as soon as they see the words, I'm fine, everyone knows. <laughs> yeah, it's great. What, um, can you give us just, give listeners a bit of a idea of the timeline? Like when did you first start writing it? What happened after that? You know, when did you, how did you, when you got your publisher? Just so we can get a little bit of a timeline of the gestation of the book. Hmm. Um, I've heard other people say this on your podcast and that, that is that they wish they had kept a nice little timeline of notes and I'm wishing the same now. Um, it was written um, probably two years ago mm-hmm. and so kind of the first half of that year, you know, writing it was quick but then the structuring and yeah. the, the final stuff went on for a little bit longer. Um and then it was done. And so the coach that I had said to me is also an agent. And she said to me, I want to represent you if you want to put this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that all fell into place really well. Mm. Um, and so she started pitching it. And I just made myself forget about it in yeah. the meantime mm. and just went on with my freelancing and went on with you know, writing some other stuff. Mm. And so it was probably early last year, well, mid last year, I reckon, that she found a publisher for it. Um, And so it's a a small publisher in Melbourne um, who really wanted to collaborate with me on it and make sure that my story was represented in a way that I was happy with. Mm. Um, and that seemed perfect for this, for such a personal story. Um, yeah. So Did they have I a lot of feedback it, or, or edits or changes or, you know, that sort of thing? No. No, Great. not at all. Great. No. No, it was it was a very short process, mm. the editing of it. Yeah. Okay, so now you've written a memoir. So, so that was middle of last year and then it's been released now. Okay. So um, yeah. you've written a, a memoir. So now what? Apart from continuing with your freelancing, <laughs> have you mm. had thoughts about writing another book? Yeah, and I've written three fiction manuscripts in the meantime. Wow, busy. Because do you know when you – yeah, when you, when you're trying to distract yourself from thinking about wh- what's happening, whether a publisher might want you, whether they might be rejecting yeah. you, whether like to distract myself, I just write more. So that's a lot of distraction I've done. Yeah. So what did you do? Did you leave your um, Friday open for for that kind of? Yeah. Writing? Oh. Yeah, I just stuck with it, and I thought, well, that fiction that I 
originally wanted to sit down and write, why don't I do that? Because once I'd let this stuff out that's gone into this book, that block that I talked about earlier that was there making me just have to write this completely lifted. And all of a sudden I had all of these ideas for fiction and all of these characters coming to me and, and I thought, oh, well, here we go. I'll see where this takes me. Yes. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I love yeah. it. love it. Okay. So finally, what's your advice? What's your top three tips for aspiring writers? And I guess let's focus on nonfiction for, for now uh, who want to write a book like yours one day. Not necessarily about postnatal depression, just, you know, a nonfiction memoir type book. Um. Oh, I think it's really worth taking the risk mm. and putting yourself out there because stories are so powerful and so important. Um, yeah, I think it's just really worth letting that stuff out and 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 going with it. And I think what I found most um the the best way to approach that was that sense of not writing to be published but just writing and letting it uh come out really honestly and openly mm. um i think i'd yeah i think i'd quite recommend that okay yeah that's yeah that that's um it's certainly a very liberating way to write uh, any other tips yeah um Gosh. What about the discipline of writing? I'm sorry. What about the discipline of writing? Yeah, the discipline of it. What's what's your advice there? One of the things, yeah, I think one of the things I found was that um, it's not necessarily just in writing this, in this form, that's good practice for writing in this form. So I think that it's, great to open yourself up to writing different things and in different ways to get that practice and get that idea of how you want to write, what stories you want to tell, how to find the right angle in it. Mm. Um, so for me, you know, freelancing has given me all the skills yes. to do this in a lot of ways. So it's not necessarily just write books in order to write manuscripts in order to write books it's mm. open yourself up to different forms right and give yourself that practice mm. and just to be clear to listeners uh you you weren't in the world of writing before you were in hr as you've mentioned but then you um, decided to get into freelance writing after doing the course at the australian writer center and and you earn a full-time income through freelancing don't you yes absolutely and i have done for for many years now and yeah it's been an amazing way to make an income and have a career around my family as well brilliant brilliant great Mm. all right wonderful so I'm fine and other lies by Megan Blanford it's um a wonderful wonderful book so congratulations and thank you so much for talking to us today thanks so much Valerie 
This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. If you want to be a freelance writer, our five-week course in Freelance Writing Stage 1 is the fastest way to get there. Step-by-step, you'll explore how to get story ideas, approach editors, research and structure your article, plus interview skills, industry expectations and much more. You'll enjoy the convenience of learning online in just a couple of hours a week and have your own tutor to answer all your questions. Find out more at writercentre.com.au slash freelance. There we go, Megan Blanford. And I'm just so thrilled for Megan because, um, you know, like I said, I've I've kind of tracked her career tra- trajectory for some time now and I'm so thrilled to see this has happened for her. And it's getting lots of great press as well. I'm fine Brilliant. and other lies. All right, so what will you – what are you most looking forward to at Blues Fest? That's a very good question. I'm very Not much looking forward – Not the toilets. No, well, clearly, because, you know, we've done that conversation to death. Um, no, I am very much looking forward to seeing Nathaniel Ratliff on Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. Um, I'm interest, I'm looking forward to watching Book Boy see Iggy Pop for the first time. Oh. I think that will be an eye-opener. Um, he's really excited about it. He's, you know, got a massive, you know, we've got the vinyl collection here belonging to the husband. So, Do you have an you actual know. record player? We do, yeah. Oh, wow. We were hipsters before they were, we were hipsters, I'm okay. telling you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, so he's excited about that. Um, yeah, just look, it's just, it's a really, as I said, it's a very, very good um, lineup. And it's, uh, it's just, you know, lots of fun to be able to just go from one to the other and have a look and, you know, get into it. Yeah, Sometimes. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Fabulous. That's <laughs> just, just what you do, right? All right. Where do we find you online now? You'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. You'll find the show notes at soyouwantobeariter.com.au. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.